episode of the Boston Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby, and I'm joined as always by Jake, aka Halbertius, aka Hal. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. As as you as you saw, I needed like to just down a shit ton of sugar to just like get out of bed and into this podcast. One of those days where it's it was just... the strange day where I had to drag Jake to do this. Usually the other <laughs> way around. You, usually I'm like, hey, are are we doing it? Yeah, uh, are we? Are we? Is it podcast day? Because you're the one with the funky schedule. And today I was like, I came home, and I sat on my bed, and about thirty minutes later I was like, all right, I have obligations, <laughs> things I plan to do. We got things to talk about. Great. A lot of piston stuff. A lot of games and a lot playing. of things because it's been two weeks I think since we did one of these. Yep. We took off for the All-Star break, and then the Pistons came back and played, like, what, four, four games in five nights? Or something like that? A lot of them, <laughs> yeah. It's been a busy time, so let's jump right in. First game that we had, or first on the docket, let's talk about the All-Star. You put in All-Star break stuff. I'm assuming you want to talk about Rising Stars? So you, you got to watch it, right? Uh, I did not watch the Rising Stars. I was What the fuck is wrong with you? I was jam-packed that weekend so, on a wedding. First thing, first thing. I had no clue that Cade was participating in the skills challenge. Zero clues that that was a thing. I knew he was in the Rising Stars game. Zero idea that he was in day two. I was not going to watch day two stuff until I realized that Cade was like in a thing that I was like obligated to watch now. Uh, quickly skipping <laughs> through this, uh, the three point shootout is great. I love seeing Cat win, but yeah, also like, cool. I'm sorry, you keep adding balls and shit, and like I don't need that. Uh, it's a three-point shot. This isn't a complicated process. Don't, right. don't and fuck like, it up. Like, I have a lot of respect for guys. Like this, I think sometimes people underestimate like how insane the three-point contest is. Right? Like mm-hmm. the 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 task of putting up that many shots that quickly from three is actually like a non-trivial thing. Guys do legitimately get tired. Uh, the second round, like, if you make it to the second round, you have to put up another round. Like, that's a big deal. So, like, it's already hard enough. But if you're going to make it where, like, players have to, like, change distances and, like, all this stuff, like, with the Mountain Dew Balls, go insane and, like, make this, like, obstacle course shooting. <laughs> yeah, like, make it, like, make it get a, like, jump through something to get there. Jump through a hoop to get to the, the next shot. The thing that, uh, that they did in the skills challenge, I don't know if you saw the replays, where, like, they, uh, they had to, like, shoot, uh, I think it was based off, like, legendary shots in history or something, so it was, like, Magic's hook shot, uh, from the finals, and Ray Allen shot in the corner, and so they had to, like, and it was, uh, was it Dame's shot from... Uh, it wasn't the Steph Curry OKC shot from, like, the deep hash. Uh, You're talking about the game-winning goodnight shot? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a Dame shot they used, but, like, it was, like, a Dame's deep Dame's got, like, four three. shots that could be in there, so Th- that There's sense. a lot of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's a, it was basically, like, shoot a mid-range shot, a layup, a three-pointer from the corner, a three-pointer from the top of the arc, and, like, a three-pointer from deep hash. Okay. Like, if you were to do that, but just have, like, Steph Curry doing that, all mm-hmm. in. Like, give me the, like, ladder shooting, you know, like, all that stuff. Like, if that's the game, fine. Um, but, like, I really don't need the whole uh, uh, money ball rack. Like, I don't want to be doing math. 
Yeah. During the, I just wanted like let's see people shoot, and I, the the, like Mountain Dew Ball, like a big problem I have is, like we have seen repeated performances that are just like insane, but I don't know how insane they are because you keep changing the scoring. Yeah, we keep changing the like, rules. Like there's every year. there's now six more points available thanks to the Mountain Dew Balls. So you hit a Mountain Dew Ball, and also you have ten more seconds, something like that. So you hit a Mountain Dew Ball, like. 28 points is no longer the same as it used to be. And it's obviously, um, uh, Craig Hodges had the shootout record, uh, before I think Steph and then Clay took it. I think it's now, and maybe Booker has the record now. I don't remember, but like Hodges had, uh, like 27 or something insane without money balls. Like, he, he hit, like, every single shot. That's still the best performance in the shootout. Uh, we just don't score it that way. And I think that's stupid. Um, yeah, exactly. It's it's like, don't try and fancy it up. It is what it is. Like The dunk contest yeah. sucks. And yep. it it's gets really, same. really, like, Juan Toscano Anderson is a lot of fun. I really appreciate Juan Toscano Anderson as a player. What the hell is he doing in the dunk contest? <laughs> He's like, this is not. I don't, I I don't, don't understand. Like, I know you, why because people are saying no to it, but I'm like, why are you saying no to it? Like, well, like, it, okay. like LeBron always said no because it was based off like his brand was all about dunking. He didn't want to ever be graded on how good he can dunk because he knew he wouldn't win. No, LeBron like, said no but, because he's not necessarily the best dunker no, in the league. And if LeBron yeah. lost the dunk contest, it's a legacy killer for him. So exactly. he just never participated because that's LeBron's all about his branding. Uh, it's but, the same thing as Andrew like, Wiggins never participated in the dunk contest because Zach Levine beat him once in like a, a high school tournament or something like that. Uh, yeah, the McDonald's and, American. And he was like, "I'm the best at this, and if you like, if you're ranking Zach above me, fuck you. I'm not doing this. <laughs> like that's just, he's just like I'm not gonna lose this uh, and like have that hurt my reputation. So. But the the problem is, the dunk contest isn't cool anymore. Yeah. And I mean, dunking in general isn't cool anymore. As opposed, people would rather hit the Steph Curry logo right. three, Dame logo three, than get a dunk nowadays. But like, we have to rehab the contest so that it is cool to participate in the contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, we don't need stars. It doesn't have to be Paul George versus LeBron James versus like. You don't need that. It's nice to have one guy, but, like, Jalen Green can absolutely carry a dunk contest. But you have to have rules that make Jalen Green just do cool shit the first time. Yeah. Like, I've said this before, the dunk contest should be graded out of 50 so that judges can actually, like, say, oh, that's a 47. Because, like, if a judge gives a 9, like, all judges could be like, that's not quite a 50, but it's better than a 9. They can't make that decision. That's not good. It's not a granular (laughs) voting system. You can uh, say that, and people are still going to put 50, 45, 40. Like, it's, it's still may- going to end up the same. But here's the thing. you If you make it out of 50, I can put in the rules that if you miss a dunk, it's a minus a point. Yeah. Right? As soon yeah. as as soon as soon you give me that leeway and that padding to, like, change your score like that, I can start putting punishments in. You want to use a prop? Minus a point for using a prop. I don't know about that. I'm not. I'm not against props here. You you want to do a a simple dunk, but bring out a fucking airplane, John Collins? That's cool. You're capped at forty nine. 
Because you're you are telling me by bringing out an airplane that you think the prop is what's giving you the points. I think it's just half of its branding deals in the first place, but I'm 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 not anti-prop. I am I am entirely anti-prop. There has never been a good prop. So dunk. I can't remember who it uh, I can't remember who it was, but the cupcake blew out the cupcake dunk. Is that minus a point because it blew out the pup, the cupcake? Because that was fucking fairs, dope. Yes. That's it is stupid. No, incredible. It's inc- it's an incredible dunk. But you know what? Once we get rid of props for like five years and people start actually dunking again, we can bring them back. But I want I'm all agree props gone. Uh, the just prop like, reliance is way too high. I do agree with that part. It's it's just like, and people are always like, I gotta be, I gotta do something new, or I have to do something exactly the way Vince Carter did it. And like, <laughs> you need to do neither of those. Just do cool shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can like, uh, NBA Two K exists, and like they have all of these dunks in there that are like insane. And by the way, the NBA Two K, your dunk contest sucks. It's the worst. It makes yeah, no sense. It's impossible so to execute. And I, you don't let me practice. Like, why is this not a standalone mode? Everything about you is stupid in NBA 2K. Uh, but just, like, just do the cool stuff. It's so sad that this, like, like great thing is done. Like, uh, the Levine-Aaron Gordon thing. Like, Levine dunks from the free throw line. Then does a 360 from the free throw line. Then does an East Bay from the free throw line. None of those are complicated dunks. They're just three of the most insane dunks we've ever seen. Yeah. It's just <laughs> the man ridiculous. East Bay from the free throw line. That's all you have to do is something insane. It doesn't have to be something complex. You don't have to go between your legs three times and use your left. That's not what we're here for. Don't do it. All right. All right. The dunk contest took up way too much time. It didn't deserve that much. No. No. But it hurt me. And I had to, I had to heal. <laughs> And it's we keep doing Step it. One. That's the worst thing. Uh, so I I think we just got to talk about the the Rising Stars game quick and just be like, first of all, it's hilarious that Cade Cunningham just like tried, yeah, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> and all of us were watching this game, and everyone who knew anything about Cade was like, oh yeah, they're down three. Do not worry, Cade Cunningham's team is winning this. There's there's no universe in which Cade Cunningham's team does not win this game because he will flay people if they do not win this game. Hey, I'm okay with that. I didn't watch it, but I will take that. That is it. It was very fun. Uh, the the second game where he played against Sadiq and Stu was was quite a riot. Uh, I I got I got a, a little uh, teary eyed watching Cade and Evan Mobley and Franz Wagner all on the same team. It it just warmed my heart a little bit. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, and I think the format of that game worked and I would like to mm-hmm. see it in the, um, like in the main yeah. all-star game. I would absolutely That was the main thing I heard that. from a non-Pistons aspect is how interesting that format was and how cool it could be. Yeah. If they did the main, if the, if the main all-star game was like three games to 40, it'd be pretty good. Yeah. The main all-star game was... A weird one. That one I did get to catch. I watched that, I think, pretty much in full because I had nothing else going on on the Sunday afternoon. That was... The format has gotten a little crazy. With... I, I like it that they have different things where they're donating to charity. That was really cool. The ending, as we've talked about before, is actually pretty interesting when they all start like, hey, we're going to try a little bit now. I still think there are better ways that we could have the like showcase thing. 
Like, I'd much rather have, like, a three-on-three contest as opposed to the full five-on-five, but in terms of all-star game entertainment, it was, like, a seven compared to its usual. This is ranking the, Steph the all-star Curry show is worth whatever Yeah, exactly. Steph like, going off and just doing the most fuck-you threes, like, the... It's great. The one the, where he shot it in the shot and turnaround, and I'm like, I see him shoot it, and I'm like, oh, he's... Like, it's, immediately, it's he's in. shooting it, and he's gonna, know. he's gonna look away, and it's... Ugh. I wish he could have got the record. That was yeah, it, so, it, like, blue balls. It's, him just uh, missing and missing and missing. It's one of those things where, like, I've been to a Pistons-Warriors game. Uh, is that still at the Palace? It might have been still at the Palace. I don't remember. Um, but, like, we didn't get there in time for the Steph warm-ups. Because I couldn't convince my family to, like, leave the house in time. Because we all went that was together a hike for over, you, like, a Christmas game. Stadium and out. What's that? That's a hike for you, regardless. Oh, of... yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're driving all the way across the state, so it's a big deal. But uh, we didn't get there in time for the pregame shit. And I was like, you don't understand. These tickets are ten times more expensive than they normally are. Like, we were in, like, behind one of the mm-hmm. baskets in the, the upper row, and those tickets were, like, over $100 because it was the Warriors. It was, like, the 16-17 Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just like... You don't understand. You are paying like $60 in this ticket is to go watch Steph Curry warm up. Yeah. Because he's insane. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you pay for because of just like Steph Curry shooting against air is more fun than like 70% of most basketball games. And it's it's yeah. just a joy. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about Steph the Pistons, though. Beautiful to watch. And I love it. And I almost want to switch to a Steph jersey right now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're not on camera. Okay. All right. First game back, we played the Cavs at home, which I was annoyed that it was at home because I did not realize that, and I was actually in town, and I could have gone, but I forgot, that, or I thought it was in Cleveland. So, um, Pistons ended up getting a close win. Uh, Cade struggled early, but, yeah, he struggled real hard early, uh, but went off late and ended up going to the line 10 times, which has been definitely something we've talked about a lot, and I think we'll continue to talk about through these other games where he's still getting trouble getting calls. Um, a bad sneak game, a not great Jeremy game, which he's been, prior to last night, pretty rough, uh, I would say. Come back yeah. from this All-Star break, he's still not quite in the groove of it yet. Um, good stew game. I think he had he had a lot of foul trouble this game, if I remember correctly, um, which going against he Jared did. Allen, yeah, that's going to be tough. So, uh, <laughs> But it also worked out that we got a little bit more Marvin Bagley, he ended up with 16 points in 27 minutes, shot 8 for 13 from the field, 4 rebounds but 5 fouls. Um, he was just kind of all over the place, and the stat that I know you're going to want to talk about, he ended up with a negative 8, which was, I think, one of the worst on the team in terms yeah. of plus-minus. And and this is just like, you, I, I don't want to rag too hard on Marvin, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about him later, I think, just in general. But like... As fun as he is, you're giving up so much. And, like, I've already seen a lot of people be like, let's watch Marvin and Stu. Give us the Marvin and Stu lineup. And, like, y'all, there are two ends of the floor. <laughs> and he's awful on one of them. Yeah. And, like, when you think about these lineups, how do I put this? You don't play Marvin and Stu and be like, well, Stu's defense balances out Marvin's offense. It doesn't. 
or Stu's defense balances out Marvin's defense and Marvin's offense balances out Stu's defense. It doesn't. Because even if it could, ending up with a net zero means you're losing the minutes. <laughs> That's <right? not> good. <laughs> like if if you end up with a with a net zero between these two players and you and you have zeros for the minutes, like the goal of basketball is to go on runs to give you like padding to sustain you throughout the game. And if you can't get a lineup that produces, you are losing time. You're just burning minutes that you need to like use to make something else up. And like right now, Stewart is a is a starter, so like you're burning starter minutes mm-hmm. to compensate for a bench player. So like, really, you what you want is like Marvin and Kelly to be so insane together on offense that they end up like a plus four for a seven minute stretch. Because Kelly hit threes and Marvin hit lobs, and they just gave you the momentum to get your starters back in, and like the vibes are good, and that carries everybody. Like that's what you're trying to get out of this right now. Um, but so it was just like this was a really great uh, game from him. You know, 16 points on 13 shots. You know, especially for a guy who does not shoot threes. Uh, he did take three, but like that's not his game. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really great offensive production. And uh, I think this was a game where, like, he was a minus eight, and that's bad. But uh, playing with him was, like, really good for Stu and Killian. And, like, they the energy created productivity down the line. And that's what you have to capitalize on. I think this, is, this was a good example of that happening. Yeah, and I think as many issues that Marvin brings on the defensive end, especially... For this Pistons team, where they're not, look, they're <laughs> we're trying to be one of the worst teams in the league. We're they're trying to good. lose games. The thing Which that one? I like most about Marvin Bagley on the floor is that Cade Cunningham likes to have Marvin Bagley on the floor, in my opinion. I think yeah. Cade just looks a little bit more excited. He's throwing lobs. He's running around a little bit harder with Marvin. So even if we're giving up a whole bunch of points to the defensive end, we're learning, like that Bagley might not be the long-term answer, which is fine. And we're watching some fun basketball, and Cade's happy, and we're probably losing games. So, Well, I don't I'll... think he's like... How do I put this? It's not that he's not the long-term answer. It's that... Um, how do I put this? It's that he isn't like likely to be a starter, right? But nobody should have expected that in the first place. And also that he's not just solving all of your problems. Yeah. Right? It's not that he can't answer some problems. It's di- But it's just like, and you know, we all would have told anybody that thought this in the first place, you know, this day one. But, like, he's not going to solve them all. He's not some catch-all, and it's pretty obvious from the jump that, like, that's not what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you like to move on to the next game? Sure. Let's do the Celtics. Yep. So this one wasn't as fun as the last Pistons game, nor the last <laughs> time they played the Celtics. Um, Pistons ended up losing 113-104 at home. Um, it was pretty much a fourth quarter that the Celtics just kind of went, hey, we're a pretty good basketball team. Not a great basketball team, because I think a great basketball team would have not uh, let the Pistons hang around for so long. But uh, definitely sealed it in the fourth quarter. Uh with a big job for, I think it was, what, Jalen Brown? And, uh, fuck, who's the 
Who's their point guard off the bench? It's not Derek White. What is the other guy? Um, Pritchard. 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 Yeah. He had a pretty good uh, fourth quarter as well. Um, yeah. Overall, another bad Jeremy Green. This was probably the worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it between was bad. <laughs> Both of those two are really bad. Let's start he was game. 3 of 15. It was really bad. <laughs> and 0 of 6 from 3. And yeah. had one rebound and one assist. Like, <laughs> we need a it little bit more. It was really bad. That's, uh, that's, that's yikes. <laughs> this, was really, this was a really, really bad game for him. Um, this was a rough game because Killian had a couple of turnovers in the fourth and then got pulled. And then Corey Joseph came in, and immediately Peyton Pritchard just starts going off. Yep. Um, those two things are directly related. <laughs> like Peyton uh, Pritchard's not an amazing basketball player, so the fact that he's just going off on someone like Gojo is pretty he, indicative uh, of Ko- Kojo. Kojo came in uh, after Pritchard stole the ball, I think, and got a, a three. or There's a turnover, and he hits a three. And then immediately he gets a, a driving layup, three assists, hits a three, uh, another assist later, and then a uh, another layup before he gets pulled. I think for looks like they brought Robert Williams in, so I'm not sure how that lineup worked. But like he came in and immediately like filled his stat line on Corey Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about this in a couple of future games, but like Killian has been trusted a little bit more to close games, mm-hmm. mostly defensively. A little bit. Uh, more. And it's because Corey Joseph has been just absolutely abject on the defensive end for, especially recently. Tank um, commander, Corey Joseph. Yeah. And then people I were mean, talking about him being a buyout candidate, and I'm like, I yeah, don't quite no. see it. <laughs> no. I don't know what you're talking about. That was national but, stuff. I'm like, you don't watch the Pistons, obviously. Yeah, but this was, was the Cade game. I mean, he, he comes in uh, in the, the five-minute mark, and it's uh, it's a driving layup, a rebound, a step back, uh, a miss, and then a three-pointer, or then free throws, another miss, and then an assist, and then, like, just, like, stacked up some stuff uh, right there to, like, get them back in the game, but it was just, it was, it was over at that point, and mm-hmm. he, I think, ran out of gas at the end a little bit, but... It remains, like, really impressive that Cade is doing this to, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, like, these are good defenders. These are teams with size. This is a really good Celtics team that's really been growing into their, their uh, you know, their stuff the last couple of weeks. And Cade mm-hmm. was awesome. We do have to talk about the foul trouble. Yeah. Some of this is on Cade. Some of this isn't on Cade for a couple different reasons. But, like... It being a trend in all of these games, basically since the break, is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah well, I, the list of people you want being close to fouling out or fouling out, your point guard should not ever be on that list. Or no, your and second guard, whatever you want to call him. So part of it's like he's reaching. And I uh, I talked about this with, with Kuka Hill on the Lockdown Pistons podcast this week, but... Uh, Part of it is just like he's reaching, he's making the dumb mistakes. I think, you know, Cade's letting his competitive side just kind of get the best of him and some of this. Some of this is also like he's getting an abysmal whistle. But also there's a big part of this that's like the Pistons' defense, the soft switching, 
the playing so much Corey Joseph is putting him in positions to get fouls. He's being the rotation guy, you know, whose responsibility is to dig down on a drive. Corey Joseph is letting guys just blitz him. And so Cade's like getting a foul on a guy because Corey Joseph didn't give him time to rotate. Like those things stack up. I think the, the soft switching the Pistons do is giving guys runways left, right, and center, and it's putting everybody in trouble. It just, he has to be better, but like the, the scheme is just burning everyone right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a good indication of that is I've pulled up the, uh, fouls, the 2021-2022 fouls per game of the entire NBA. Kate okay. is t- tied for, or Kate is 12th on that list with 3.1 fouls a game. Stu is 21st on the list with 2.9, and Killian is 29th with 2.7. And Hami is also farther down that list, uh, I think at 47. And, and for and the record, those are your three best defenders. Yep. So it's not like it's not like this is Ham like Hamadou just fouls, like yeah. okay you know, uh, Corey Joseph just kind of fouls. But like your three best defenders, Corey Joseph just kind of exists for the most yeah. part. <laughs> your three best defenders are all would you say top thirty? Yeah, top forty in fouls per game, largely because they're trying to compensate for bad scheme and like so like that's not good. Now both Killian and Kate are guys that reach and you know they get involved in risky ways. But if you have good defenders around them, that doesn't matter as much because they're in positions to make smarter reaches instead of, you know, late reaches, etc. So, uh, yeah, it's a problem. Yep. We've got to move and, on to the Hornets game, though. Yep, yep. All right, so the Hornets game. This one was another fun one. So the Pistons won in overtime, 127-126 off a Kelly O'Linick Buzzer beater, Kelly O. Buzzer beater, as it put it. Um, there was zero defense played, which is not a lick. A slight improvement from, for the Pistons at least, from the last time they played, where they gave up what one forty something to the Hornets. So, yeah. Well, we don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> Slight <laughs> improvement. Uh, Jeremy started out bad, but ended up with a huge game. Him and Sadiq both. Cade, another thing we already talked about, fouls and turnovers, but had another pretty good night. Your boy Killian and Koo as well. I saw him post after this with a 6-7-7. Six, seven, and seven. Was that what he finished with? Yeah. Nice. It was a good 6-7-7. Very, seven, seven. very, <laughs> very nice and together. I like that. And but most Hami. importantly, <laughs> his... Hi, well, so you can get to Hami here quick, and then I'll, I'll give you my most important bit. Well, Hami has uh, been ejected from this conversation. You can you take the floor. Okay, so I was just gonna say, like most importantly, we got Killian's like best move ever on Mason Plumley, where he let Mason Plumley think he was going left, and then goes be- behind the back with the behind with the left to right dribble, and then like finishes through contact at the rim. Had me out of my seat, like absolutely gliding through thin air. Uh, that was great. I I was vibing off that for an entire like 48 hour period um and and i've got it written down below but like we're just seeing killian try stuff some of it's good some of it's not he tried a drive in that game um i think another behind the back move down the right hand side of the lane and like tried to do a scoop on the right side of the rim got the shit blocked out of it uh uh 
who's your former Wizards guy who traded there? Um, uh, Montrose Harrell. Yeah, Trez like ate it up, <laughs> but the whole time I'm just like Killian just tried a righty scoop shot. Like that blows my mind. I don't. That's not a thing he does. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, just like a really interesting and exciting stuff from him. He continues to play good defense. There are times where we're like seeing him in the flow of the offense, doing good stuff. But like this was this was Sadiq's game. Yeah. For me. I mean, uh Jeremy helped close big. Jeremy had three charges. No, two charges and a turnover because he sp- he drove in the middle of the defense and did jack shit with the ball. <laughs> uh the broadcast like Love Greg and George, but they were like, ah, he can't get any calls. He's not getting any of these calls. They were the most textbook charges you'll ever see. It was the worst bits of Jeremy all on display, exactly what he cannot be doing. Clearly somebody had to talk with him because it didn't happen nearly as much in the second half. There was one more, but it didn't happen nearly (laughs) as much. But, like, games where he's going to have three turnovers – because he's just not looking at anything are not games that he's allowed to have. Yeah. You can't be the highest paid player and just not read the floor. Yeah, it just like, sets a bad tone for the entire for the team as a whole if you have your top player doing that. And while this year like it's not going to be that important and probably won't be next year either. If you do want to continue to be the top paid guy on a team and be like that leader, you got to step it up every single night. And Jeremy struggles with that sometimes. Well, and like, he's getting a little better. There, but I think a lot of this is has been Sadiq Bay now is figuring out how to play with him, not the other way yeah. around. It's this has been Sadiq has been adapting to Jeremy and figuring out how he can work with Jeremy. And I think um, to give Coach Casey some credit, we've talked about how Sadiq's improved, and you know, especially as a driver and with the ball in his hands. And I think now. Uh, Casey is giving him reps like in sets that are featuring him in, in that way and like forcing Jeremy to play off of him mm-hmm. and I think that's been like a big benefit but uh, you know <laughs> compensating for Jeremy was the whole name of this game too because this he just kept hulking out in the paint right the stuff yeah. that Jeremy literally cannot do because he's made of you know he's skinnier than I am uh, he's a tweak uh, I, I mean, Sadiq looked looked like a center. Uh, he was just bullying guys for rebounds, putbacks. It's super impressive stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely the Sadiq game. But real quick, I know we talked. You talked a little bit about Killian, but Killian, I think first off, he really, for whatever reason, he just likes playing Charlotte. I think he's had a couple really good games against Charlotte, but this was definitely the game where he started. Well, remember. That was the Lamella Ball was the the other guard in that class, right? Oh, so I think I think oh. there's I think there's some 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 I gotta prove something here, juice to it. Interesting. Has he done the same against the Kings? I'm trying to think because Halliburton was the other one that was right around there. Maybe doesn't have don't the same you energy. don't you remember like the big the big block on Holly like that that was the thing. There's been a couple of these yeah. moments. Yeah, I guess yeah, Anthony Edwards hasn't gotten any, but there there have been a couple of like. I need to step it up against these two in particular moments from him. Well, I look forward to him stepping it up against the Pacers for years to come. Um, Please. But regardless, the thing I liked most about him was he was just trying shit out there. And that's something that, it's like we got him, like he got out of his shell. And I hope that he continues this for the rest of the year. I think that'll be 
probably the biggest thing the Pistons can gain from the end of the season run is if Killian continues to just go out there and try new things and throw shit at the wall and see where he can find some comfortable and see where he can get someone like a, a Sadiq open or see if he can get, you know, a layup that he wasn't going for earlier in the year. So I look, I hope he continues to feel comfortable and I hope he keeps playing the way that he's been playing because these last couple of games, he's done a lot better. Uh, and I think, like I said, it'll be the biggest development for the rest of this year is can Killian grow as a player and be that secondary ball handler we've been looking for. Yeah, I want to see them put him in like uh, more like empty side pick and rolls on the left wing where it's like, hey, you have all the room in the world now to drive. You know, mm-hmm. if you can get that, if you can reject a screen, you've got the whole baseline available. Like give him the, give him moments like that just to see what happens um, you know, I, I've said this before, they need to do a better job of flipping their offense to be lefty oriented when he's leading the offense, which by the way, yep. when Cade's out there, Cade's like really great with his left. So like mm-hmm. you can run the same stuff with Cade out there going to his left. He actually really prefers going to his left when he's stepping back, uh, yep. for jumpers and Cade finishes well with his left and passes. So like if you run an offense flowing left, not going to kill you, uh, there One thing I did notice, been... though, was we cannot... <laughs> the double lefty pick-and-roll between him and Bagley was not comfortable. It did yeah, not it looked very clunky. There. <laughs> there's, so, there's some stuff there. Uh, Bagley has to, like... He only wants to roll to the left side of the rim. And he has rolled into Killian a couple times. And it's just been like, dude, like... <laughs> no, you're like, Kill- Well, like, you have to know your personnel, but also, like... Killian drives right and, like, takes that bullet a lot for this team. And he's actually Mm -hmm. been really good at, like, going right and figuring out new angles and stuff. He's doing a really good job adjusting to that. But, like, nobody seems to be intentionally getting him going to his left. And, like, maybe you are more comfortable, Kelly Olenek, stepping back uh, off the left in your kind of one-two step-back pattern. Maybe you are more comfortable... Flipping out to the left. Fuck you. Do it to the right once or twice. <laughs> like, and, and this is one of those things where it's like Killian has to be a little more assertive, like demanding that guys do that. Like, but uh, last night they had the play um, and Killian ends up shooting a step back three that like doesn't go anywhere. But the whole play, he's calling for, for Kelly Olenek to swap sides of the floor so that he has an open lane down the left to drive into once uh, Hami's ghost screen comes through and clears out. And Killian or and, and uh, Kelly's like, well, I'm spotted up here. Just run the play already. Well, it made Killian drive right. If he's driving right, he's going to step back. Like he's not, he's not going to like late clock isolate, get to the rim going right. He just doesn't like, that's not in his bag right now. Mm-hmm. And that's like, Kelly didn't, do what he asked so that's the only option he had that's not good for killian but like as a teammate what are you doing you know this you're a vet you know you like uh it's this annoys the hell out of me because guys do this for other players all the time yeah this is not it's not out of uh it's not even asking something special to say set killian up properly that's not some some request that's uh, like, hey, uh, treat the, the little rookie nice and, and put the kid gloves on. They You set uh, James Harden up 
in extremely specific ways to run your offense. This yeah. is not a this is not an abnormal thing. It's just time to do it. And guys aren't consistently enough. And I don't think Dwayne Casey's doing enough uh to to like flip the offense and run the structured plays going to the left, etc. He does it every now and then. And there's some <laughs> pet plays that he uses. There's that loop uh DHO handoff that he uses, but like two pet plays is not an offense. <laughs> Exactly. And frankly, and you those should are have really in a flow together either. Right. So we we now have a Sadiq Bay offense. There's a whole like like seven or eight different looks they run out of horns, where Sadiq is one of the guys on the elbow, and they have all sorts of little flares and stuff that they run to get Sadiq looks. They have like two plays they run for Killian. He's a point guard. <laughs> you you should have a lot yeah. more than two plays built for your point guard. So. Yeah, that, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like you said, it's we are seeing him experiment like crazy right now. Uh, all sorts of random stuff that we haven't seen before. All sorts of dribble drive attempts. He's finally starting to beat guys to the rim. Um, you yeah, you would have liked to see the talent little, showing through, finally. Yeah, you'd like to see it a little earlier. You would have liked to see him spend, you know, 50 games this season working on that instead of, you know, maybe just figuring it out at the end of the season. But still, like... I think we're definitely seeing a leap from him and it's just kind of really unfortunate that it's coming while they're like clearly in the middle of reworking his shot. And it's just like, he's in the worst part of that process right now. His feet are no longer quite as crazy as they were, but like now that he's got his feet, I think a little better, he doesn't have the rhythm going up like at all. And just like, it's, this is a bad time for him as a shooter. It's affected his free throw shooting a little bit. It's just, it's unfortunate that it's coming while he's figuring out some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the last game. This happened last night. The Pistons with a close loss, 113-116 to 116, down here in D.C. against the Wizards. So another big uh, Jeremy Grant game. He, from D.C., I think he was from... God, one of the high schools, uh, Dematha, yeah, uh, Catholic Dematha kid. Yep, which is a big school here in the area. Um, Michigan so fans he... will know that as Hunter Dickinson's school. Yep. So he uh, from the DC area likes to go off. I feel like he's been done good when he's uh, came here last year as well. Which I don't. I have to say I wasn't able to go that game. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. I'm like, wait a minute here. Was I at that game? No. Um, You've been to a couple of them, but last year he was also hurt. Yeah. Hurt, air quotes. Uh, so I don't know how many you've seen with him in DC. I don't think I don't think I've seen. I think he. I think didn't they go to DC earlier this year and wasn't he hurt for that one? Uh, the other game we played was on Valentine's Day, and I obviously was MIA for that. That's so. right. Uh, another big Sadiq game as well. He continues to like kind of pick up where he's like got out of his sophomore slump. Uh, I think for sure, and he's starting to get comfortable even with uh, Jeremy back. So, good to see him continue to do well. Um, <laughs> your note here is, Killian is getting trusted to be close even without scoring. Uh, yeah. Too close. Yeah. So, too close. Yeah, that was something I noticed in... Being trusted old... to close. Too close, yeah. Because that was something I noticed in the Hornets <laughs> game where he played, like what, like a 16-minute stretch between end of third quarter, fourth quarter, and OT. And yeah. then, again, in this Wizards game, he was closing. So, I love that. Because that gives me a lot of confidence that Casey is seeing it not only 
you know, during the game, but also in practice to give to be comfortable having him out there. So uh, love that. And then another, of course, another great killing game, foul issues as well that we have already talked about. And he absolutely baptized Cade Corey game. Kispert. Cade game. Cade. Sorry. I'm looking at Cade and Killian. But yeah. he... Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was so beautiful to watch. Just... Yeah. I'm going to go eh, this way and goodbye, Kispert. <laughs> that kind of... All the, all the talk that you still to this day hear of, you know, Cade doesn't have the full athleticism that you want from like a number one overall pick. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> that well, dunk like, kind of showed why. Pe- people keep being like, "Oh, he he isn't like athletic enough yet." Like it's like stop comparing him to John a, Morant. <laughs> well, right. There's a vast difference between like LeBron James' athleticism and average athleticism, and Kate is not like below average. Mm-hmm. He's a totally fine athlete. Uh, he's got like a good first step. That these aren't issues. Yes, he is more reliant on craft than some other guys are. But I would but say he has he also the craft. Has, <laughs> he he has a higher basketball IQ, so he doesn't rely on his athleticism as much as some other guys do. Like he knows that he he can get that little bit of space in a way that like a James Harden has been able to succeed, or Luca, or any of these other like phenomenal scoring guards. Like he's he's got that little thing. I don't pe- I don't think people are giving him enough credit for it. Whereas I don't think, I guess not looking back, like, <laughs> I don't think they're giving anyone credit for it. Like, any of these guys when they came out of, like, came no. into the league. Like, a hard and, like, a Luka. People just want to jump out of the gym athleticism, but... I'd, right. You can't, you can't judge, like, there's some things that, yeah, you can't teach, you know, hops, but on the same token, some people are never going to get the same uh, feel for the basketball that Kate, is, Kate has already coming into the league, so... I don't know. Well, and I'll this take, is a this is a I'll big a big thing. Like we're seeing it with Sadiq Bay, right? Uh, it does not matter that Sadiq Bay is like a really poor vertical athlete because he's finally figured out how to use his handle to get where he needs to be, which, by the way, is like a really. Uh, I wanna I wanna do my draft stuff this year a little differently and talk about how guys. Uh, like what it takes for them to reach their median floor, like just like what is it going to take for this guy to end up playing twelve to fifteen minutes a night, and then what's it take for him to play twenty eight minutes a night, and what's it take for him to be a thirty six minute a night guy, and where you know like what skills take you from A to B to C, and how steep is the learning curve for those? The handle is the steepest learning curve of any skill in the NBA, of any actually trainable skill so not you know like vertical improvement you can you can add an inch or two to your vert through strength training but like it's just strength training like it's it's focused strength training and, and that's it's not a non-trivial thing but like it's you know skill development is a whole different thing and developing a handle like the uh uh pd web i've mentioned him before is a great uh draft guy uh, and he's a, a skills trainer, um, does a lot of stuff on, on uh, Twitter. You can find him at Above the Break 3. And he always brings this up. Uh, Paul George's handle at Fresno State to where it is now. The change in that is the single greatest player development win like that basically any of us is going to 
be able to point out like that any of us is going to remember you have to not only uh improve the 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 actual like dribbling the ball skills and just like the mechanics of dribbling the ball but there's also so much about like you have to understand the game and and um like how you're gonna move and like the path you're gonna like there is so much intellectual that goes into it. There is so much about how you feel the space around you and move in that space. So for for Sadiq to make this leap as a ball handler is a big deal. It's not one I... Like, even three months ago, when he was dribbling into Nowheresville, did not think he was going to make this leap. And he's made the leap. And one of the big things he's made the leap in is uh, he stopped trying to just dribble and started like being really refined about like I'm taking one dribble, two dribbles, and doing a lot with two dribbles, but like that leap is just outrageous. He's it's I don't remember how we got here. I'm just too busy marveling at like how yeah, you good got me. <laughs> Sadiq is is has been. Um, you lost me about halfway through that with where we were going. So I, yeah, <laughs> don't ask don't, me to back. I don't back. remember what spawned it. I just know that I'm going crazy for Sadiq. Oh, uh, but also that, like, uh, Cade, like, one of the cool things about Cade is, like, he has this dribble. He also has, like, a lot of different ways he can grow as well. Um, like, one thing, uh, Motor City Hoops put up a great article on Detroit Bad Boys, uh, today, Wednesday morning, I think it is, and, um, just about, like, Here's all the cool stuff Cade's doing in pick and roll. But also, like, here's all the things he's not doing yet. Like, he doesn't take straight line drives very well yet. He doesn't, he hasn't mm-hmm. put on the, the upper body mass yet. What happens when he does, right? Like, that's really, really, really important. What happens when, um, like, the shot actually starts falling for Cade? We know he can shoot, and he's just, like, kind of abandoned it a bit um, compared mm-hmm. to, like, what he was trying earlier. The, the stuff he's doing right now from a craft standpoint is really cool. It can get better, but it's also showing us just how much more he can set up moving forward when he makes these improvements. It's not dissimilar. Like he's obviously starting from a way higher point. It's not dissimilar from why I'm, I I'm excited about Killian Mm because there's all sorts of random things that Killian does where it's like, I can't teach that. Right. Killian has a handle that's actually really advanced and if he didn't, I would be much lower on him. But because he does, and it's just really about him figuring out when to use it and what moves, like, the mechanics are there, the placement of the ball is there, it's the the thinking about how to chain things together, that's all experiential. That's why I think there's so much room for him to grow. And it's the same thing for Cade, where it's like, okay, he's got a few pet moves he really likes, he really loves that in-and-out move going to his right, he really loves that step-back series going to his left, but... The handle, everything is there for him to just keep putting more of these packages together. He's got all the tools, so as he just gains more experience, more reps, more, you know, everything is going to just keep building and building and building for him, and that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Kate definitely has the, like, ability to take a jump next year, even despite how well he's been playing this year, just with how many things that we saw him kind of do at the beginning of the year and not succeed at, like a lot of those jumpers and stuff like that, where... You know it's not gone from his game, and it's stuff that he's going to refine over this offseason, and the thing I like most about Cade is he looks like he wants to put in all the goddamn work. 
Like, he is one of the hardest working players from just looking at what he wants to do on this team. And I really look forward to what he's going to bring in this offseason because that, I think, is what makes a good player great and a great player an all-star. And an all-star, an all-NBA. And keeps going up those levels is that work ethic. And when you get that work ethic at someone who's got the talent of a number one overall pick, just, like, you can't like you can't help but be excited about it in the future. So, You know how much I love Luka, but it's, it's very reassuring to know that Cade probably is not going to have those, I need 35 games to get in shape. Uh, periods the way Luca and, and Harden have needed. Harden needs more than thirty-five games. <laughs> he, he might he might need a good fifty-five to to figure out where. Or he's the at. best example of it currently is Zion, who is apparently <laughs> just eating his way out of town. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but I mean, to you got to give Zion like a little bit of leeway. Like a Jones fracture is an insanely difficult injury to manage, and. Uh, uh, David Griffin should not have a job right now. Yeah, <laughs> like he is he has Full mismanaged stop. the Pelicans massively. He's pissed off JJ Redick and Zion Williamson. By the way, those two are not that close. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like he pissed off field. one by pissing off the other. He pissed them off in two totally separate ways. Uh, that's really bad. Uh, n- basically, no move he's made out has he's made has worked really good. But also. David Griffin lied to everyone. Straight up lied and told them that Zion was coming back in a week. Oh, he'll be back in a couple weeks. Oh, he'll yeah. be back in a couple <laughs> weeks. Please buy season tickets. He'll be back in a couple weeks. David yeah, Griffin's a TV personality tickets. masquerading as a GM at this point. It's embarrassing. And, like, Zion has not done himself favors. He also has every right to be pissed that a free or that a front office paraded his injury around for profit without ever really consulting him. That's disgusting behavior from the Pelicans front office. It, yeah. it That pisses me off to no end uh, that they, they tried to pull that shit. Yep. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with Zion in New Orleans because when he is healthy and he's in the proper weight, he is, like, his offensive potential is limitless. He is just a wrecking ball. And... I do still have questions I, about his defensive buy Yeah, defensively, uh, his reason I was talking offensively. <laughs> he's that, not that was all, there was there. a lot of people when I said, hey, I had Cade Cunningham higher on my draft board than I would have had Zion. And a lot of people freaked out on me. And it's like, yeah, Zion might score 30 and like it's going to be the most fun 30 possible. He does not play defense. Yep. There's, Zion like, is that definitely... That is a problem. If it was back in the days where you couldn't see... Like, if you... if. If you could not see a college game and like could not see like Zion being played, I don't think he would have been as he, I don't think he would have been a number one like as hyped oh, as he is. Cuz he's just he, fun to watch. <laughs> he absolutely like Zion's like advanced metrics at Duke are like the best college season ever. Like Zion's yeah. like he, he it's it's insane. But also, like, there were some defensive things at Duke that where it was like, everybody remembers the blocked jumper, right? The, the like, closeout to the corner where he blocks the jump shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that in a, a Duke-North Carolina game? I think it might have been. Um, the, mo- the thing that sticks in my head about Zion and Duke-North Carolina was when he blew out his shoes, so. <laughs> I think that might have been the same game, to be honest It might have been, honestly. But, like... It- it's not that his draft tape is bad. It's that uh, 
you have to ask questions about the health. Not because he's going to overeat and yada, 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 jokes aside. Just like that body is not meant to last. Uh, yeah. Like they had, they're trying to retrain him in how to walk and they were doing that the minute he was drafted. Uh, like there's just, that's a serious question. And also like, even if he's a good defender with the tools he has, the, he's never going to be a great defender. Like, there's just, like, he's not a lateral mover. I mean, it's an uphill battle to get to good, I think. Right, his like, his rotations as a rim protector could be, like, electrifying, but, like, he's not a drop back five. So, like, issues, a lot of fun. I, I don't want to, this, not Zion slander. It's just, like, yeah. there are, you do have to, like, look past how freaking fun it is. Same with John Morant right now. There are people who are like, John Morant for MVP. John Morant does not play defense. Who is your MVP John, right now? Jokic and Giannis, yeah. probably 1A, 1B. Uh, I'd yeah. have him be slightly behind. Curry yeah. has probably fallen out of that race, uh, given that his efficiency's dipped, but like I feel bad saying that because Curry's still ludicrous. I don't know who I'd have at five. It's not DeMar DeRozan. DeMar <laughs> yeah. is like ninth, tenth I, I would throw in the Jot list. in fifth as a... He was Jaws, fun. Jaws in he the DeMar it. range where it's like really fun. A lot of fun. Great offense. Does not play defense. I don't think that's going to work like at a playoff level. I don't think we're going to see the same level of of impact because like like John Morant this year may very well score like 40 points a game in the playoffs. I just don't think his team is going to win in the playoffs for reasons that will still be related to John Morant. And other stuff, but like to in part, I feel like it's also they've overachieved a little bit in the regular season, and once the playoff comes around, where defenses are a little bit tighter, a little bit less room to work, you got to be in the half court a little bit more. I think that's where they're they'll be. I mean, the, more, the Grizzlies are a great game because they're they're a lot like the Hornets, where they just they want to have a lot of fun, and their give a fuck level is just really high. Yep. And when you do Every that, you, game. you're just gonna win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of why Chris Paul teams always always are good because chris paul just brings a certain level of give a fuck that you don't get you know it's not dissimilar from like a lebron james things lebron has taken over some teams and it's just like lebron's here we have to give a fuck and it's not because they're having fun the way the grizzlies (laughs) are but it's like when you have these teams that have these standards and by the way Cade is the same way (laughs) he's bringing a lot of the same energy it's just you you have to care because other people are setting that standard. And, you know, if you can have that at an organizational level, even better. If you have it at a single player that, you know, drags everyone else behind them, it's it's a good start. Uh, yeah, the, it's just... those That matters. But it matters a lot more in the regular season when you're doing stuff like the Grizzlies do than it will in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Alright, anything else you want to do with the scene section? Or do you want to skip around to around the league? Because I feel like that might be a good segue. We, we have to give a quick shout out to Rodney McGruder for literally <laughs> just like he's hitting everything. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote in here he's throwing lightning at the ocean. Like it's just like homing in on ground every time, uh, yeah. just like a flash, and it goes in. Uh, what the hell is going on with Kelly Olynyk? Just like you have to be better than this, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you got I your highlights, but the rest of it has not been great. Yeah, Rivers is. <laughs> It's actually looked really good. 
Uh, I mean, he looked great in college, but he actually looked like he may, carried over. To maybe the some overreactions to how good he looked. Like Isaiah Livers is still Isaiah Livers, and I love yeah. him very much. He's also just like he's an eleventh man who will play eight minutes a game sometimes, and like contribute, like, and that's great. I love Isaiah the Livers. Expectations for that. is, or excuse me, the expectations like the high the high watermark for Isaiah Livers' career is going to be like bench player can come in, get some minutes. Like like his best game is going to be like a seven three point make game. Where he yeah. gets like twenty four points, like yeah, good for Isaiah. I I love Isaiah Livers. Uh, I think he's having a huge impact as like a leader behind the scenes. I think like that's something you can really count on him for. Uh, I don't need anything else from him than than that. That's just what he's here for. Frank Jackson's back. Uh, did not look good, but like nice to see <laughs> Frank Jackson back. I feel like we've leads... said Frank Jackson has came back for like the seventh time this it's year. Just, like four times, and it's always year. like, yeah. is it? He... Frank Jackson's back and he looks good, or Frank Jackson's back and he looks bad? It's just a coin toss. And yeah. that's that's Frank Jackson. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think we mentioned it. Marvin Bagley is out right now. Yep. So he's currently he the, the last only two injury? games with an ankle injury. I believe so. Yeah. I think he's the only injury. So um, that leads us into yep. the question of though, what happens to the rotation now? Because like Frank Jackson comes back, he hasn't done anything to lose his spot other than get hurt, but. Like, Magruder is, like, absolutely blazing right now. You can't bench him, really, for someone who hasn't proven it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Like, they've said we want to get Livers minutes and see what, what he's got. Yep, Where are those up. coming from? Uh, like, are you putting... Like, I, I talked with Koo about this on, on his podcast. Do you just tell Jeremy, like, hey... Uh, we're going on a, a one-game road trip. Uh, you've got a sprained ankle, you know. Like just yeah. take a take a, a day off, you know. Hang out in DC for a day longer, you know. Like, do you do that kind of thing to get liver some minutes? Do, you know, where when you're trying to figure so many things out, and your starting lineup outside of of Jeremy is all guys you want playing anyway. Well, and Kojo, um, but like. You already have so many experiments going on, and so mm. many guys that need these minutes. It's hard to fit, you know, a fourteen-man rotation in there. There's a reason you don't normally play a fourteen-man rotation. You know, Saban Lee going to get any time? Is Luca Garza going to get another look at all? I don't need that, but is he going to get another nope, look nope, at all? Nope, nope, nope. We have to stop it right there. <laughs> is uh, is Chris Smith going to ever get minutes with the Pistons this season? He's played decently well for the the Crews. Is he going to get a, a Pistons debut? There's a lot of. I mean, he's not a, a two-way of... deal, so I imagine at some point he'll he'll get a game or two. But yeah, for young teams, I don't think two-way deals really matter that much unless there's injuries. So we'll see on that. No, but, but... it's just the quote. Like, yeah, are we going to see any of this? How is it going to happen? Because you have what is it 20, 20 games now, right? It's game sixty-two, I think I I wrote in here. So twenty yep. games. You got twenty games to to figure out. You know what you got in these guys, and someone like Chris Smith, you've seen him with the 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 crews. You do need to have an understanding of like, is he actually an NBA guy, right? Because like you might bring him back on a two way deal next year again. That's totally totally plausible, but you do have to know if it's worth bringing him back on a two way deal. He spent the whole, you know, first two thirds of the season hurt, so. A uh, lot of questions to be answered and not a lot of minutes to go around to answer them. Yep. And I mean, even on top of that, some of the things that makes it tough is that 
what Jeremy's on. Jeremy's one of our older players who's on an expiring deal. Kelly in has missed most of the year. Kelly just signed a contract, but he's missed most of the year. Like we got, we just picked up Bagley, Magruder. He's on a one-year deal. He, like he's gonna want to play. Like there's so many people that have reasons to get the minutes. It's going to be very interesting to see how Casey doles them out. And it's not like you can just say, you know, like Jeremy, take a seat, like <laughs> relax for the rest of the year because he's still trying to play for his next contract. Well, so. you, well and he has all of next year to. Yes, next to year work as well. With. True, but. But if he missed I mean, already yeah, so much this if year, he he's like, already missed thirty something games or whatever. So it's you can't just tell tell him to miss another thirty. That's not really fair. Yep. So definitely going to be interesting to see. Obviously, I personally for the Pistons, I always like to go on a bad team uh, to skew towards the younger guys and maybe throw some minutes in here and there to people who don't usually get that and kind of rotate it through. Uh, but if you have someone like Rodney Magruder who just is making everything from three, which he's kind of cooled off a little bit on that in the last couple of games. Uh, but if he's red hot, then yeah, you got to keep him in there. It's it's going to be tough finding those minutes. So I am very curious to see what he does, what Casey does. All right, you've got some stuff around the league here you wanted to get to. Yep, real quick, we go to the fun one first, which is John Morant. Talked about him a bit earlier, but he went for prior to the All Star break, he had 44 against the Blazers, and then. After the All-Star break, he scored 46 against the Bulls, and then followed that up with 52 against the Spurs. 46 and 52 uh, are the new Grizzlies record, which was previously 45. So, And especially against the Spurs, he had two of the, like, he probably had one of the dunks of the year over yeah. Jakob, was it? or yeah. Pirtle. One random white guy on the Spurs. Um, and then had... Like one of the stupidest shots I've ever seen, uh, to go into the half where they just yeah back to back. Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams, who should be playing quarterback for the Titans, just had a <laughs> phenomenal pass to Morant, who's like falling out of bounds and just hucks it up there and like goes in. Like if you wanted a a perfect symbol for how Josh's season has gone, it was that yeah. shot right there. And that was one of those out. where. Uh, I saw the clip. I didn't. I wasn't watching live, so I see the clip, and what I see is Stephen Adams throw something, and then everyone piling on John Morant. You don't even really yeah. see in the in like yeah. the original clip the until you speed. see the replays. You don't actually see him like catch and shoot anything. You just see a pile of bodies. The ball squirt out of the pile of bodies, go in the net, and then a bigger pile of bodies pile onto the original <laughs> pile of bodies. It's it just crazy, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and let's see. Shout out, shout out to Stephen Adams, who has just like quietly been a good passing big for years and does not get enough credit for it. But Stephen Adams is, is like a really good basketball player, and I really appreciate that he just like goes out, nails everyone with the hardest screen they've ever seen, passes the ball. He has those like little bounce passes to cutters that just like hits them all the time. Good defender. Uh, just like a really underrated player, Stephen Adams. Yep, I'm happy he's kind of bounced back because he got traded to the Hornets last year and that just ended up being an absolute mess. Him and Zion did not mesh well. I don't know how they think Valanciunas is going to fit better there, but that's neither here nor there. Again, uh, with the David Griffin, bad. Yeah, exactly. But not I am good. happy that he has showed up and he's been exactly what they needed um, for the Grizzlies. 
Other stuff. Durant, uh, this just came out right before the pod. Um, it's scheduled yeah. to return tomorrow, which will be Thursday, against the Heat. You missed the last six weeks with a sprained MCL. This is huge for the Nets, who are very much fighting just to make the playoffs at the moment. Um, and they are, I think, still a... What? They're still, I think, the eight seed. I don't think they're quite out yet, but I'm sure they would like to avoid the play-in game. Um, I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, too fair. The, just to state the obvious, <laughs> I too would like to not be in the play-in game. I mean, the bottom of the East is not exactly that great. Like, the seven seed, seven and eight is going to be a tough matchup, but I think they'll still make the playoffs because nine is going to be like the Hornets, and the ten is going to be like maybe the Hawks. The Hornets have the best offense in the NBA. Do you want to be the one team that has to play the Hornets in a play-in game to get past? I mean, like, true. Also, you're, you're the Nets. You're not good on defense. You no, are the true. Nets. <laughs> like, and if Lamelo Ball back- like hits seven threes and just like balls out, and Miles Bridges goes off for thirty-two, totally plausible. And then you're just fucked. And by I mean, the way, that- you're the Nets, which makes you the laughing stock of the NBA for that. Not I mean, a good that plan. reminds me of the last year with the Warriors and the Grizzlies where everyone's like, oh, the Warriors got this. They're in the playoffs. They got this. They got this. They got this. And then the Grizzlies beat them. And everyone went, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, it could happen. Um, absolutely happen. On the other, other end of the pendulum, uh, James Harden is back being good at basketball again. And Shocking. has put up two, like, amazing stat lines um, since joining the uh, 76ers. Those were, he's, I think it's only been back two games. Uh, but, yeah, he is, oh, that stat's pretty good. Um, <laughs> he is putting up, in two games, he's averaging 28, 14, and 9, with two and a half steals, shooting 58, 57, uh, 95. <laughs> is that all? That sounds good! <laughs> that sounds like he was pretty good! Considering they traded someone who wasn't playing mainly, as well as a backup center and the lesser Curry. <laughs> like Still a good a, Curry. Big yeah, Steph I, mean, Curry not, I didn't say he was a bad Curry. I'm just saying it's a lesser Curry. It's not mm. Steph Curry. Mm. So that trade is, looks like it's working out right now for the 76ers. As I think we said at the time, long term, could still work out for the Nets, but Harden will definitely be have a good couple years, I feel like, for... Bad really? news for the Nets, I think that I think they said Ben Simmons is having back spasms or something like that. So like his yeah. return yeah. to conditioning's been derailed. Heavy parentheses quotes on that one there. I would not expect him because I think the Nets play at Philly in like next week, like end of next week, and I would not be well, shocked. He's not. To keep I don't him think he's practicing. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like I don't I think don't, he's don't coming think back before. I don't think they're. Game derailing him just to derail him but um, part of the reason that he didn't play was mental health issues and i could not see him wanting to go back it, and face that i think given the nature of the issues uh dunking one on james harden or something would be pretty good for his mental health <laughs> i think having I to think, deal with the philly crowd i think show i think showing up for a win against philly would feel very good be very good vibes for ben simmons <laughs> but yeah and then lastly, my game of the week, uh, assuming this pod comes out in time, uh, is the Warriors at the Mavs, which takes place on Thursday night the 3rd. Uh, this is a rematch of the last game, which I think, I can't remember if it was before. Tuesday, right? Yeah, it was, it was sometime in the past week. Um, where Monday the, or Tuesday. Yep. 
the Mavs had a comeback. They had a what nineteen to one run in the fourth quarter to win know, the I game. It. I'm ashamed. Was just I missed it. Absolute, just Luca just taking over down the stretch, and it was kind of shocking that the Warriors had to deal with that. But yeah, it should be a pretty good. That's what happens when Draymond Green isn't there. Exactly, and, <laughs> and the main reason I put this is who the fuck doesn't want to watch Steph Curry versus Luka Doncic? That's it's like made for two, me, like in a lab. <laughs> two of my most favorite non-pistons. Probably uh, Giannis is somewhere in that mix, but this I will take this matchup any day of the week. All the days, yes. All right, uh, let's get through prospect of the week here. Uh, which prospect did you choose? <sighs> After having to watch him annihilate uh, Michigan State, I chose Keegan Murray. The forward from Iowa. Alright, so why don't you, you who have just watched him, why don't you tell me what you think of Keegan Murray? He is a walking bucket. He, like, he. it's not that he gets to the line that much, but he can drive, he can shoot, he can do everything in a flurry. It Offensively, like, he is a bucket and a half. Like, that's... I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, he is going to walk into the NBA. I think he's still going to be able to score. I know you're not as high on him as I am, but I think offensively he has been phenomenal for an Iowa team that's not exactly insane around him. Like, they definitely tailored it to his strengths, and he's been showing out. So that's my that's my two cents on him. So... Uh... Quick, get the the bio out first, right? He's more of a power forward, like a six eight, six nine guy, decent wingspan. Uh, the one of the big flags, right, is he will be almost twenty two when he plays his first game, right? So a much older prospect, uh, even though he's only a sophomore. Um, so I have a couple big concerns. First of all, he's just like not a good athlete. Uh, he's, he's got some, like, he can get out and like run and transition stuff. He's, he can open up his stride and, and he can move. Uh, it's not like he lacks fluidity, but like not a guy who finishes over you or through you basically at all, right? He's an extremely craft heavy player. Um, Keegan Murray is how much of his offensive success do you credit to the fact that he's on an Iowa team? And Fran McCaffrey cares about one thing, and it's putting up garbage buckets. I mean, definitely some of it can be credited to that. You saw it with Luka Garza the year prior. Like, Fran loves to feed his top guy. So, I mean, yes, I think that should be some of it. But you can say feed the top guy, but he's still out there getting buckets left and right. He's (laughs) he's averaging 23.3 points a game, which is a lot. But also, every time he comes up against the top 50 team that drops down to, like, 14 or something. I don't have the, the the competition-based stats in front of me, but, like, he's basically been a bit of a bum slayer this year. I mean, just looking so, at his stat lock here, 18 against Virginia, 19 against Illinois. Like, he's definitely had some of his... He had 27 against Wisconsin. Let's see, what's Wisconsin that? Wisconsin is a, not a good team, for the record. Purdue game. They're gonna, Wisconsin <laughs> is somehow going to have a share of the Big Ten title and just not actually be good. Which is I just going to get it out right, honestly. It's kind of insane to think about. But I think, it, I, I mean, he had a bad game against Purdue, which I feel like a lot of it has come from in terms of scoring. He only had 14. He shot 4 for 11. But 
like he I think he, I wouldn't say he does bad against good teams. Like he has some good games against good teams. Uh, okay. Um like a yeah. So the other thing for for me with Murray is he's not an elite shooter. Right? So he's mm-hmm. a good shooter, not a great shooter. An okay athlete, not a great athlete. Uh not a good passer by any means. You know, so he's really just kind of a finisher. A good rebounder, not an elite rebounder. And offensively, his game is really like a lot of herky-jerky stuff, right? It's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, stuff that might remind you a little bit of Harrison Barnes at times. Might remind you a little bit of, like, I see some Thad Young in him sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, like, one of the cops Awful that, comparisons, like, but... Yeah. What? Not an awful comparison. Like, if I'm getting a Thad Young... No! Late lottery, like, I'm not complaining. But, like, Thad Young... His secret was that Thad Young is, like, a brilliant player. Like, Thad Young is a really smart, intelligent defender. Thad Young is a really great passer. Thad Young's a great ball handler. He's a phenomenal Thad passer. Young had, uh, um, like, he had a frame and a physique that let him carve out space down low in the post that Keegan Murray doesn't have, right? He's a very upright uh, player. I see, like... He reminds me a lot of like young Tobias Harris, right? Before Tobias Harris became forty five percent three point shooter, right? Right, the Tobias that came to Detroit and mm-hmm. was kind of more of a downhill herky jerky floater guy. Um, you know, occasionally you'd throw a lob to him. Like Tobias had some vertical pop, but like, so so I guess my question here with with Keegan Murray is, uh, what does he have to do to to like get on the floor and play rotation minutes? Not a lot, right? Just just be yeah. a stable shooter. But what does he have to do to be a starter? Is he a good enough defender to be a starter? You know, is he... Uh, you know... Is his, is his one-on-one scoring that he's doing in college right now, is that enough... Is that going to translate enough to like actually be like a third option? Can he be what Sadiq Bey is now? I I don't buy it personally and and because i don't buy it i go am i going to take this guy like a lot of people have him like the number six number seven range in their draft boards and i'm just like if he's just a role player for me i'm not nearly as interested in that as someone like uh tari eason from lsu right another guy of like a similar size but a monster defender a guy, like a great athlete who just runs the break and goes crazy. And uh, another guy who's like an interesting passer. Um, like he's your connective energy forward. Um, you know, that that just like uh, might shoot eventually and stuff like that. And like, which one do I want? Do I want the guy where he's going to give me, you know, he's going he's gonna to play off of other people and just fill a role? Or do I want the guy in Keegan Murray who wants touches and wants to be a scorer and like maybe he's uh who's the guy on he was on the Suns now he's on the Pacers he's like a mid range god <laughs> um uh, uh T J Warren T J Warren oh oh yeah like, God I forgot he's what, on the Pacers right because he's been yeah. hurt forever yeah he's um, been out since Bridge of the Bubble so like you remember. T.J. Warren's early years, 
versus mm-hmm. TJ Warren, like when he was like when he really popped as a shooter. Which I don't if think Keegan, I don't think Keegan Murray is that bad of a shooter. TJ Warren couldn't hit the side of the barn. No, no, but it, but if he's a well, and TJ Warren came in the league in a league that wasn't as demanding from <laughs> for its shooters. Uh, the last five years have been like ludicrous leaps and bounds in what we ask for guys. So I just like if Keegan Murray is only shooting thirty six percent from three and wants the and is mostly just a scorer and not giving me something defensively or as a passer. That historically is a fifteen to eighteenth pick. I mean, yeah, right? I do believe he's like if he's gonna go like I think right now he's projected at what on Tankathon at seven. Yeah. I think that's probably and that's a where he's high. in in a lot of mocks. And like, I probably don't want. Like, him I think there. I just listened to Sam Vecini's podcast and he and him doing a mock, and he's the Athletics draft guy, and I think they took him at six or seven. Like that, I think. I think, I think a, they took him before AJ Griffin, which is insane to me. You are just you are the bandwagon man of AJ Griffin. <laughs> you deserve a cut of his contract. Personally, I'm looking at him at him more in like the ten to twelve range. I think that's where he fits a little better, and you'll be a little bit more comfortable about. I don't think he necessarily needs to go out of the lottery, but I could definitely see him being a late lottery pick who ends up on a team that's like a pretty decent team. Like look at the. Like the Trailblazers, or like honestly, I take up the fucking Wizards any day. Although they kind of have a little bit too many of him. Too many. Like, of that I guess kind that's of my players. opinion of him. Is I think he's a pretty safe pick. Yeah, right? I think we know what he is. Pick. But I just like, I look pick. at him and I go, "Where is the no?" And, but I just I I ask myself, "Where is the ceiling on him?" And if the ceiling isn't at least Sadiq Bay, right? If it isn't at least like this guy can be a starter and be your third guy. What, you know, what is there, what is the value of that over someone? Um, like, let me check. Uh, so EJ Liddell is younger than him, right? So EJ Liddell is like smaller, but he's a, he's uh like six, seven instead of six, nine. But like EJ Liddell has played a bunch of center and is a much better defender. He's a very yeah. versatile defender. And EJ Liddell is currently shooting better from three. Not a great volume guy, but like EJ Liddell is just going to be your your PJ Tucker. And like on one hand, Keegan Murray is getting buckets, and maybe Keegan Murray gets me a lot of buckets. On the other hand. I'm pretty confident I can plug EJ Liddell into just about any team that wants to win things on like the Grizzlies and he's going to click. And that has a lot of value to me if I don't think that your upside is that high. And I'm, I'm really torn as to whether or not Keegan Murray has upside that really places him firmly above Tari Eason, EJ Liddell and some other guys like that. I mean, I think this, is scoring at the very least, you know, to a certain point, is going to translate to the NBA. He's going to be at least someone who can come off the bench and get buckets, which that should be kind of the bare minimum you're looking at in the lottery. I just think I like the way his game... I like the way that his game could translate to the right team, to a playoff-ready team. I think he can come in, get some minutes, especially in the regular season, for that team, and be a guy who's not going to be the high ceiling. Like, he's not going to be your, like, Giannis at... 16 or wherever he got picked he's not that pick but i still think he's going to be a solid guy for a solid team and he may not have the high upside but you know he's going to do something in the nba he's going to be an nba player so 
Like I said, so not like, a Detroit pick. I, I'm just but, comparing the two of them, and Tari Eason has the exact same three-point percentage. Half the attempts, so it's it's four versus two yeah. attempts, basically. But the same three-point percentage, uh, the same um, free-throw attempt rate, and same free throw range. Uh, he's a better passer. They're at about the same uh, assist number, but he's a better passer, especially in transition. About a similar level of rebounder, but like a way better defender. And it's so like the scoring isn't going to come from the same kind of polished, predictable spots the way Murray's is. But I'm pretty sure, sh- like, I, I personally would be much happier with someone like Eason. Because I'm pretty sure I can run that in the playoffs more. Yeah. I think it, it, like I said, it very much depends on the team. I think I'd rather... Easton, I, I feel like I see him more on kind of a younger team. That's just me personally. Like, I don't... I disagree with you on that Easton would be a better person for a playoff team than Murray. I think Murray would be... Well, so, so like... The Blazers think they're going to be good. Their first, be great there. their first two years, right, neither one is probably going to... Like no. be a starter if some a team if a team's I'm in the saying playoffs. Third year but of that what, contract. But like the but like early, well, you gotta earn your way to stay, right? So yeah. first couple years, how are you getting minutes? Keegan Murray but, comes in off the bench, has to score, coach is gonna sit him if he's not scoring. Tari Eason's just gonna work his ass off and do crazy shit. And he might get benched because he does crazy shit, but he's also going to have like a 14, 5, and 5 game where like one of the fives isn't assists, it's like blocks and steals or something like that. And that's the kind of thing that like it's going to splash, it's going to keep guys around. And I just, if I can bring in one of those for a good team in the playoffs, I'd rather have have that for sure than. I'd rather, you know, like if I'm building a playoff Rodney team, I'd rather Hood. have the in- I think Rodney the Hood is maybe a good Keegan Murray comparison. Like, I would, if I'm a playoff team, if I'm a younger team, like I said, if I'm the Pistons, I'm taking Tara Eason probably, if you take out need, if you just take out, like, the overall team idea, like, I'm going Tara Eason all day. But I think for a playoff team, I want the guy who's, like, I know is going to be able to come in and get a bucket, and he may have nights where he's not going to have it, but he's going to have other nights where he does have it. And as a playoff team, that's something you could always need, especially for a guy who's going to be... At least in your first couple of years, being an eight and nine score, eighth, eighth, eighth or ninth guy off the bench score, and he has the potential to. I could see him as a starter. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. He's never going to be an all star, but I think he's someone who could definitely be an all. Who can be a starter in the league. On I, a good I think team, one on of the team. things that I'm hearing a lot of people value about Keegan is that like they're like, oh, he could be like a small ball five sometimes, and like he's got the frame for it, but none of the skills for it. And I, yeah, I don't understand that. Have you watched much Baylor this year? Uh, beyond the first, <laughs> beyond MSU playing them, no, I have not. Uh, no? Actually, I took okay. them back. I did watch. I watched their game recently uh, against Kansas. I watched that game. Okay, I need I need you to watch a couple Baylor games so at some point in time we can talk about Jeremy Sochan and uh, uh, Kendall Brown because that's just like a fascinating discussion about which of those two guys you prefer. But we can save that for another pod. I mean, for right now. Soshan is the guy with the crazy hair, right? Soshan is the one that that looks like he belongs in an R and B group from the nineties. It has like the the dyed hair, and Kendall Brown is the one that looks like he was teammates with Dr. J in the seventies or whatever. He's got the like big blowout afro and like the funky shorts and 
Yeah. All that stuff. I liked Soshan's energy when he had in the last game against Kansas. That was. I think that my, was a good Soshan game. The, yeah. pro- the problem is neither one of them puts the same performance together two games in a row. So the more you watch, <laughs> the more you flip flop, and the more you argue. Uh, and it's it's worth having the argument sometimes. So we'll have yep. to save that for another pod later in the season. Um, you going to be back next Wednesday? You going to commit? Next week at some point. I don't know what day. <laughs> we cannot well, get him Pistons, to pin a day down. The Pistons play on Wednesday next week. I will give you a Wednesday through Thursday, or Tuesday through Thursday, one of those days, for sure. Okay. Which is what I said. I said it will usually be Wednesday, but if the Pistons are playing, I don't really want to always have it there, so... He never we'll makes it easy on me. All right. We I will give you see everybody plan. next week. See you guys Bye-bye. later.